Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, PJ, what's your last book? Well, being obsessed, I mean, uh, being obsessed with, um, being obsessed with Alice, I had to read this here. I'm showing it to you. Automated Alice. Now, Automated Alice is a is a prequel to the two books of uh, of Alice, and it's written by Jeff Noon in I believe 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a, uh, believe, what? It's a prequel? Well, no, what's that? It's a 1996 book. Excuse me. A prequel is basically just a kind of fancy word for a third book, so not a right, sequel, okay. but kind of a yeah. Ah, right. Okay, you were getting too hipster for me there. I was getting very an old man. (laughs) So, old man, old man's soul in a young man's body. That's what that's what you are. (laughs) And basically, uh, Jeff Noon is kind of like this young Brit pop kind of author from the '90s. So he's a bit, he's kind of postmodern. You know, he's a bit of a hipster himself, I I suppose. So, but um, anyway, so Jeff Noon, who's largely based in Manchester most of his life. Uh, wrote uh, a series of kind of science fiction novels, kind of postmodern science fiction novels. Uh, first one being Vort, and the next one being Poland in the 90s. And then he decided to to write the third book to that series, while also also making it the third book for the Alice books series. So he kind of decided to link his own kind of universe to the Alice in Wonderland universe. And he wrote this book, which is basically supposed to have been written at 1890 by a dying Lewis Carroll, who's just kind of like mourning the days of, 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 you know, of hanging around, hanging around with Alice at the Thames bank, you know, okay. And basically, um, I think I'm getting very awkward here because I just, you know, because whenever, whenever I think about Lewis Carroll and, um, yeah, anyway, guys, anyway, so Lewis Carroll, did he fancy the little girl Alice? I don't know. That's a creepy subject for another time. For ah, show, right, right. But uh, that's why that's why I was kind of like, yeah, where, where's it going? Was that anyway? We won't go down there. We won't go down that rabbit hole. I'll tell you that. We're just going to say that it's pretty awesome. It's actually this time she go. She goes through the clock's workings. So I really like it. She it's actually a, a, Alice visiting her uncle and aunt, and the parrots of the uncle and aunt flies into the clockwork. It's kind mm-hmm. of left open, and but as soon as she goes inside the clockwork, she cl- uh, climbs in. She climbs up and up, and all of a sudden, she is in 1998. And oh, right, Manchester. okay, yeah. So she's moved up. Um, so it's kind of crazy, yeah. And uh, so she's moved to uh, Manchester of 1998, and it's basically not even a sort of modern uh, Manchester. It's kind of like a parallel Manchester where everyone's infested, infected by a disease where they are half human, half animal or half human, half object. And basically she's carried a, a doll with her that she calls, um, she calls, she doesn't call it Alice. She calls it Celia. But actually they're the same mm-hmm. letters, just, just um, put into different places. 
So Alice okay. and Celia. And the doll in this parallel universe in 1998 has actually become a live sort of kind of robotic being, basically an automated Alice. And she lives, she kind of has a soul because there are termites in her brain making her active. It's a very surreal novel. All right. And that's the whole point of it. I have to say, Jeff Noon, if anything, did a fantastic job of replicating um, Louis Carroll's language because that's a very distinguished, uh, distinctive style of reading and uh, distinctive style of writing. So it was just amazing, I have to say. It's stuff like, you know, Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, cried Alice. Whatever shall I do? Great aunt is early for my lesson. I really must find Whippoorwill, the parrot. He must be around somewhere. And so Alice climbed up the pendulum even further until with a sudden ellipsis, dot, 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 Alice vanished. Now, I don't know if you have ever vanished, but if you have, you will know it can be quite a fearsome experience. And that's a very Lewis Carroll style of -hmm. writing. And I have to say, I, I really love this this uh, this book. It's basically set in chapters that are um, that goes clockwise. So there are twelve chapters, and yeah, it's just it right. ends with twelve o'clock. And it's just basically her trying to find the parrot, and trying to find Celia who uh, disappears, and trying to find uh, for some bizarre reason she's trying to find the last uh, puzzle pieces to her puzzle. So there are twelve pieces. For some reason, she's obsessed with that. And that's kind of similar to Lewis Carroll in the sense of like, why is this? It's kind of absurd. Like, why would this girl obsess about that? But she does ultimately want to return to uh, 1860 to her lesson because she thinks she's going to be late to her lesson. So again, it's a bit of a parallel to the white rabbit saying, oh, she's going to be late to her lesson. And there are constant references to both Alice books. And But I have to say, the more further on it goes, the more Jeff Noon language appears, more than Lewis Carroll, and he's making a conscious shift to a more modern language, and Alice okay. starts to talk like a modern person, and even the writing stuff becomes different, and it's really surreal, uh, including including scenes like like um like being swallowed by a huge um, st- snake, and then landing on an office with a perfect man, giving her um, the choice of entering three doors to different three to three different Manchesters is mad, right? It's just mad. I can't I, I I don't need to like go too much into the plot detail because it's so detailed. But it, it's uh it's great. Um may I even say very controversially I might have even enjoyed it even more than the original really? books. Yeah yeah so this is a really good book which some people don't expect right when you use like it's kind of like fan fiction you know why would you write uh, you know why would you just take someone else's universe and then whatever mm-hmm. and then turn in your own thing. Now I have to say the best, the best sequence in the book for me, because it's the most philosophical sequence is when, when the author Jeff Noon himself appears in the book. And uh, that's truly uh, postmodernist. That's, people don't yeah. Need- okay. That's very strange. People don't usually like that. I get a lot of people saying, oh, they don't like when, because it's been done by Paul Auster, for example. Like a lot of, a few postmodernist authors, guys, 80s onwards, they kind of started doing that. But I thought he did it very subtly and very beautifully because he doesn't call himself Jeff Noon, but he clearly is Jeff Noon because he plays around with the idea of his surname being Noon. So his name is in, in the book Zenith O'Clock. 
Right, or is meaning, right. Oh, fuck. And it's just basically, it's got one of the most beautiful phrases ever, I think. It's just basically, it's, it's just, it's 12 o'clock in the universe and it's the only moment of peace in the whole story. So it's like very chaotic the whole time. And just he just appears for a second and he says, let's have a look here. Uh, he just gives her courage and just says, come on, Alice, it's, everything's going to be okay. And then the quote is, Alice wanted to ask what he meant, but just then the town hall clock reached the 12th of its slow down ding-dongs and the writer's hand came down to stroke once again on Alice's pinafore shoulder. It was noon. It was the very softest of touches, the breath of friendship amid strangers. And then he was gone. And I just want to finish that, mm. that the next chapter is actually Alice has to look up herself in the library and has to read her own story in order to find the missing clue to... So we're getting very meta. Very meta. So I'm going to leave it as that, guys, but read it. It's... Um, it deserves more praise. Uh, Jeff Jeff Noon's ultimated Alice. And it actually plays around with the concept of who is the real Alice, which gets confusing. Is it Celia or is it Alice? Because they think they might have confused their bodies. So okay. the puppet starts to think she's the real one, or Alice starts to think she might be robotic. So it's uh, oh. great. Before I get on to my last book, PJ, we've got, we've got a serious problem. When people go to patreon.com slash booksboys, they're paying to get not only our bonus shows, but they're paying to get this show early. Uh, and that's the Bufanda Boys. You get the show a day early. And in that early recording, we re-record the show word for word in the past and we wear scarves. But PJ, you're wearing a scarf right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Are, are I, think the, I think we're, 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 we're swindling people. I don't know what's, I don't know oh what's happening here. Like, oh, I don't like know. They'll need their half pennies back because uh, I'm wearing a <laughs> scarf. Actually, I'm wearing... Oh well, this this sounds this sounds a bit seductive. Make sure to cover make sure to cover your your children's ears. But I'm wearing very little. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing just just underpants and a scarf. So, oh, okay, well I I can only see your upper body, so we're we're okay. Yeah. I think. Um, it's my, by the it's way, my new, <laughs> it's my new look, Dean. Have you noticed that in the in the young morning meditation? It's just, um, just shirtless, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I've got I've gotten some feedback about that where I should where I should wear a t shirt. I'm just kind of okay. Confused. You got feedback to put more clothes on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're but you're like a kind of um, you know you're now repelling clothes. Like it's it's physically impossible for you to put them on now. Like you know you just. <laughs> but guys, we actually had a we had a comment on uh, on social media. Someone contacted. I asked what people's favorite Jane Austen book was because, as you know, on the previous few episodes, mm. I've been reviewing some, and I'm going to yeah. pick that up again next month. Just uh, want to say. I just, want to say, I just want to say I love your uh, reviews of books lately, uh, the ones I've been mm. watching. They're on TikTok and YouTube, right? I mean, I've TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. They're, they're I've everywhere. I've been watching them on YouTube. I'm, I'm, I'm a social media little uh, millennial guru now. I know, I know yeah. all the things. I'm, I'm yeah, twerking really and pre- everything, you know? <laughs> I really appreciate that, doing that for us. Thanks, thanks first of all, I want to say to you. No worries. For the great job you've done for, for both of us. Thanks, man. So I asked someone, I mean, we did a poll and we've decided I've got two Jane Austens to do and I'm only going to do one of them next month. Um, Not Emma, but Mansfield Park. Um, But I asked what people's favourite was from the ones we'd already reviewed. And the Historian Chronicles on Instagram said their favourite was actually Persuasion. That's the one that I reviewed last month and I did not like. That's my least favourite. But their, their reason is, I'll read it here. It's only two sentences. 
The book falls into a more mature stage of her writing. It was probably meant to be longer. We do know that it was never completed. It was published, you know, posthumously. Um, but it's more mature writing. The characters are moving from the initial tropes of pride and prejudice and sense sensibility. Um, you know, where, where they're all quite similar characters. Now the main characters are older and she reaches the reader having already found herself as a person. And that is something that really only happens in Persuasion, to be fair. Um, Captain Wentworth and Anne's eight years of mutual affection shows not only a very interesting dynamic, but a more dedicated step into the changing mentalities of the 19th century. I mean, sure. nothing that nothing that's said there is untrue. I just I just found it to be the most boring of the books so far. But, mm. you know, North, Northanger Abbey is still my favourite. But we'll do Mansfield Park next month, and we'll see. Um so we're going to take a quick 30 second uh, break and we're going to have an ad for another great podcast. Ever wonder where Disney got his inspiration for Snow White? Or why Hans Christian Andersen decided to write The Little Mermaid? Then join me, Jessica Clinch, on the Forgotten Origins podcast, where I discover the grisly truth behind the forgotten origins of fairy tales. Okay, and before I review my last book, PJ, I don't know if you remember, I told you this last month, I did a, an Odyssey review. That's coming out in the yes. uh, middle of August. It was a crossover with the Well That Aged Well History Podcast, 45 or so minutes where we review just specifically Homer's Odyssey. Um, so wow. that's that's going to be out. Uh, and again, you'll get it first on Patreon, but it will be put up for free on the main, on the main feed as well. Um, so PJ, my last book, I mm-hmm. went for more Galdos, more Benito Perez Galdos, um, nice. Misericordia. No. Yes. I should say, it's not a long book. It's only about less than 300 pages. I haven't mm-hmm. finished this. I've got about 30 pages to finish tomorrow, but okay. I've read enough to review. Um, certainly, I enjoyed it more than Trafalgar, let's say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, yeah, you've got a little bit of that Dickens world, you know, with the poverty, mm. that Flaubert kind of style. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I read it in Spanish. And I mean, I, I read all the, Zaf- the um, Zafon books in Spanish and I didn't struggle at all. I find okay. it very hard to focus on this book. I don't know if the language was a little bit older or I mean, one, one thing I didn't like, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of narrative. And okay. I, if you remember from my Gulliver Travels review a few months ago, that's something I find yeah. quite tedious. Lots of narrative. I, I prefer to skim the narrative and focus on dialogue. So I think I find that quite difficult. Um, but it's a good book. You know, Misericordia means mercy. And that's a pun because it's about showing mercy, but also the Mercy Hospital in Madrid. Um, mm. So it's, it is set in Madrid. And so Benin is the main character and she's a servant for, for Doña Paca. Have you read this one, by the way? Yes, yes. I, I really I, I really enjoyed this one. So, um, yeah, so we can talk about this one okay. together. I mean, this one was a requirement for school, but I even read it before because I'm a big fan of Gados. But uh, I understand what you're right. going for. You, you, you say first why you, why you, why, what you think of it. I okay. have um, some reason. I want to say I, I did like it. I don't want to give the impression that I didn't like it. I just yeah. didn't love it. You know, yeah. uh, and I, I think I just need more more dialogue. I think that's maybe that's the only thing I, I skim. Even in the authors that I like, such as Dickens, yeah. I tend to skim the, you know, the the the, the narrative and, and look for dialogue. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, she's Benita's going around. She's meeting people in the street. She's helping people. She's a kind soul. She's she's doing kind deeds for people, even though she's poor. And her mass, her her mistress, Donya Paca, who you know maybe used to be 
used to be rich, is also now poor. So she's begging, you know, alms in the street, but not actually telling her kind of boss that that's what she's doing. She's saying that the money comes from um, from a from a, a reverend, essentially. And um, but she invents this 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 fake kind of minister who's who's, who's giving the the money, you know, and who's maintaining them. Um, and some of the people she speaks to, you know, there's this one guy who's trying to tell her that everything will be sorted through some kind of magical, mysterious means and, and the king under the earth and all this kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, we also have the African guy who, who loves her, even though she's like double or triple his age and, and wants to bring her back to Africa where his, his family are apparently wealthy. Mm, oh yeah, um, right. So there's all that kind of stuff going on as well. And she's like, look, I'm basically your granny here. Like, I'm not going to run away with you. And, you know, she, she doesn't want to, she wants to let him down slowly and all that kind of stuff's going on. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden, the fake reverend that she invents actually materializes and tells Donya Paca, well, no, we do have money. I've got someone's, you know, left you uh, an annuity or inheritance, something like that. You do have a lot of money now. Um, but there's this sadness, this Floberian sadness, or mm-hmm. maybe um, maybe Balzacian sadness, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's what happens to, to, to Benina, um, because, you know, she doesn't really so far and again i haven't quite finished it but it doesn't look like she's going down for a, for a happy ending here you know mm. um and that's that's sad well it is very sad and uh asking for alms uh pedir limosna in spanish mm-hmm. is the phrase that i most clearly remember because it just repeats itself so it's in there a lot yeah but, but like, without a license asking begging without a license i mean how irresponsible <laughs> you exactly. starving people get uh get the paperwork <laughs> in order you know <laughs> <laughs> or at least read some benito perez got dos yeah uh, I, I couldn't believe it that she eventually gets in legal trouble for begging without a license you know and, and yeah, loses her position it, it's insane <laughs> uh, look uh, i have to say this first of all to put into context uh, this is a late novel of Benito Perez Gardos. Trafalgar was more of a young, immature novel, I would say as well. And um, basically, he's really getting into naturalism, guys. So naturalism is the, the next step from realism, where naturalisms actually criticize realists for not being realistic enough. I know it's a bit ironic. But natu- naturalists are basically trying to describe the natural state of things, which is quite gruesome. Because realists are more concerned about um, the portraying a portraying a society as if it were portraits, but nevertheless, kind of embellish certain things and fo- and not ten- tend not to focus too much on the very very low or marginalized classes. So Benito Perez Gados starts doing this when he reads Emil Zola, who's kind of the father of naturalism, mm-hmm. and this like in the late. This like in the late 1880s, but more like 1890s. And Benito Pescados, who was a big fan of Balzac, uses a lot of humor in his early novels, just like Balzac. It doesn't really get too much into the Balzac sadness. I feel like Balzac has both. Um, but the Balzac sadness and that gritty Zola re- um, hyperrealism or naturalism gets into his later novels. And he starts becoming more of a student of Zola. And he starts talking more about really sort of marginalized people, really tragic in a really tragic in a gritty sense, because he, when he started writing, they were more tragic in a romantic sense. Now I have to say I prefer his early romantic novels, which is not a, there's not Trafalgar. It's it's for example, Marianella and Donia Perfecta. Those are the novels you should look out for. Shorts. Yeah, I need to get Donia Perfecta. 
they, and they've got very unrealistic settings. Like I don't mean unrealistic settings. They got very kind of not too kind of what's the word? They're not really too typical settings. Like Marianella is set in the in the countryside and it's idyllic, but and she's kind of helping a blind man and they're in love. But when the blind man when the blind man begins to see again after an operation, love breaks down because Marina is not very pretty. That's more of a romantic story I love. Mm-hmm. So I just want to okay. say, go for those notes. But I, I enjoyed Misericordia, but I agree with you. It's not quite as um, as gripping, maybe even as Per Goriot, which is also mm-hmm. very sad and realist. But that's am I going to get more age. dialogue in his in in, in Donia Perfecta for you will love Donia Perfecta. It's exactly the kind of thing you would enjoy. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, and well, <laughs> oh, I was going to move guys, on to our. Go ahead. You can, you can also get uh, Misericordia. I think it's just called Mercy. In uh, there's one edition in English. Well, got, yeah, you don't so read, it, read it, read it, read it in Spanish. You know, don't make it too easy for them. We're teaching them about <laughs> okay. books, but we don't have to be exactly. easy. You know? So you have to read it in Spanish as well. Okay. Because do you so know why? Say I said, look, like I said that. at the beginning, I'm getting better at reading. I've almost learned all the letters. But if you do it in English, it's too easy. You do it in Spanish, boom, you've got like ends with with accents and everything. You know, don't make it too easy. Don't they learn the letters, and suddenly there's more. You know, don't don't make it too easy for them. Exactly. But we're going to move on to our recommendations. Uh, oh, but, but just a second. I, I think I hear the phone ringing for a second time. What? Um, so, PJ, if you just bear with me, I'll be back in 10 minutes. I'm going to see who's on the line. Get yourself a cup yeah, of tea. Okay. Yeah, I will, yeah. Hey, so we have a call live in on the show. Why don't you tell us who you are, and we'll see what we can ask you. <laughs> Hello, my name is Reverend Alicia Pitts. I am a five-time author, Christian speaker, and mentor and I always like to tell people this, many gifts, but much responsibility. Many gifts, but much responsibility. Yes. That sounds, that sounds about right. And how do, you, how do you cope with that responsibility? You just do your best? I do my best, uh, manage my time. And I always say it like this, when you do what you can, God can do what you can't do. Okay, fair. <laughs> So how long have you been a pastor? Um, I've been a pastor since 2003. And yeah. the, the books that you've written, are they all during that time? No, it's a uh, different spans. And actually the last three books that I've written are, are within the last two years. Right. So you're you're getting more into it at the moment. Is that a plan that you have going forward just to keep writing a bit more nowadays? Yes. Uh, what ended up happening, um, I had wrote two pre- uh, books previously um, over a decade or so ago, actually almost about 20 years ago. And then what ended up happening, the first book, the book that I, I've written in 2018 was uh, Let It Go For Your Sake, Forgive. There's another way to live. Keep going back to love. And that book came out of a conversation. It was birthed out of a conversation. Um, I was an adjunct professor of a leadership institute and the chancellor of the school. She said, you're always talking about forgiveness. Why not write about it? And so that's how the book, Let It Go For Your Sake, Forgive, came into play. That was that was the one that I'd seen, you know, online, and the one that that kind of got me interested in speaking to you. Correct. Um, Correct. So, I mean, give us a obviously without going into too much detail about the book because we want people to read it, but give us give us a brief kind of synopsis. I mean, 
what's the benefits for ourselves of you know of letting things go and, and of, of offering uh, that forgiveness well it's it's for your sake that you let it go right you have people that are holding on to things for 20 and 30 years and there comes a point in your life where you have to move from being a victim to a victor Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And would you say that that's, you know, more important or equally important as, you know, letting it go for the sake of maybe the person that you're not forgiving? You know, do you think that it affects both people or? More than likely, it does affect both people. But even if it doesn't affect the offender, it is for your sake that you let it go. I like to say it like this, because sometimes people have done things to you but they're not studying you. They're sleeping at night and you all discombobulated and all, you know, upheaval in your feelings. So this is why you have to let it go. It's not even about you even really focusing on the other person at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, the other person might have completely moved on a long mm-hmm. time ago and you're the one with that pent up emotion. Yeah, that's a fair point. And are you, are you working on anything at the moment? Um, Not currently. Actually... I'm working on an online course that will uh, be coupled with the forgiveness book. Um, As I told you, um, within this last year, I dropped two books. My most recent book is called Memoirs of a Pastor, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I'm not perfect. I'm only human. It is a very uh, inspirational book, and there are many nuggets and many takeaways that you can take um, from my um, memories or my process of uh, different times in my life uh, when it comes to that book. Um, let me put it this way. God told me to start with the bad. The bad are things that I had no control over. The ugly is decisions that I've made in my life. And then the good is where I am right now. Okay, so it's kind of it's kind of your journey from that starting point to where you've got to. Yes. Very good. And let's ask a question to go a little bit away from your own works, but mm-hmm. I ask this to everyone we interview. Obviously, you know, most of us have, have dealt now with almost a year of, of kind of lockdown. Have you increased what you've been reading yourself? Have you done some reading in the last year? Yes. Um, I'm constantly reading. I, um, I'm a bona fide teacher anyway, so I love to learn. I love to read. So I read all different kinds of commentary, um, different kinds of devotions, um, things of that nature. Awesome. And there's one question that I love to ask everyone. If there's one work that you could have written, one classic work that you could have written, can be anything, can be a novel, can be a nonfiction, can be whatever you want, textbook, anything. There's one thing that you, you know, that's always had an impact on you and you wish, you know, I wish I had written that. What would that be? Well, the truth of the matter is there's really no new information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and Dr. Miles Monroe, he he says it best. He says there's no new information. It's just a different experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like my forgiveness book. There's many, plenty of forgiveness books out there. Those forgiveness books just doesn't have my experience. So um, I really can't even answer that for you. <laughs> I caught you off guard with that. But no, you make, you <laughs> well, make it. A... Well, you know what? Actually, <laughs> it just came to me. I would say a poetry book. Really? Yes, because I do write poetry as well. Okay. 
we my 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 co-host PJ now he's actually a poet and he writes a, he writes a lot of poetry and he's trying to he's trying to look into getting some of it published um so that's quite a good coincidence okay do you have a poem I mean I, I haven't I haven't asked you to prepare this but do you have one ready that you can read for us uh if you give me one brief second I can, I can pull it up right quick let's see okay so this just to show you how long ago it's been since I've written. I've written something sooner than this, but this is an old poem. I, I wrote this poem at this time. I actually was an evangelist at this time, uh, back on December 29, 2004. And it's called Crossroads. And it says, everyone comes to a crossroad in his or her life, especially those who live in the nightlife. You feel like a rat trapped in a corner unlike the nursery rhyme of Little Jack Horner. A decision has to be made, whether good or bad. The results of your decision can make you happy or sad. Within yourself, you already know what to do. Follow your conscience. Therein is your breakthrough. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The flesh doesn't want you to observe. This is the Lord's doing. Can't you hear him speaking? He can fill the void and the peace that you're seeking. It's in your mind and it's in your heart. Depart from iniquity and he will give you a brand new start. The wages of sin is death. It is God who gives us breath. But the gift of God is eternal life. No more envy and strife and being a low life. We can accomplish this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Put on the whole armor and take up your sword, which is the word of God. Our feet must be shod. With the preparation of the gospel of peace, it is God who gives the increase. I personally have this testimony. I've been down this road, believe you me. I decided to make Jesus my only choice. Thank God I recognized his voice. Keep in mind, this is only the beginning. If you're on the Lord's side, you're in the winning. You have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The blood of Jesus has been marked on my doorposts. The devil is going to attack. I'm going to keep it real. If you have the Holy Ghost, then you have been sealed. This road, the straight and narrow, is not easy. The adversary doesn't fight fair, and he's very sneaky. But we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God doesn't hold our record of wrongs anymore. I'm on the right road now. I know that I can make it anyhow. If you're on the wrong road, get on the right path. So you can avoid God's wrath. Crossroads. Good. Get on the right path. There's a line I really liked. Um, I guess a little bit near the beginning, maybe about a third in. Follow your conscience. Therein lies the breakthrough. I like yes. That. Yes. Very good. Yeah, so that, that was, was back in 2004. I didn't know about you that you were a poet. Say that again. I didn't realize that you were a poet. So that was <laughs> lovely to lovely to find out. That's why I said many gifts, much responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) And you do some radio work as well. Is that right? Yes, I do. Um, um, I actually am a radio host on Ascent FM radio, um, where I have my own radio show called Live Inspired. I also have my own podcast show, which is called AP Live, which is my first and last um, name initial, AP Live Live Inspired. Cool. There's links to that stuff on your website. And uh, most importantly, for, for our purposes, if anyone's interested in um, buying the books as well, they can get all that on 
uh, your website aliciapitts.com and um, which I'll put a, I'll put a link to in the in the show notes as well. Well, it has been absolutely lovely having you on. Um, and I hope that we get some people interested in the book because it seems like something that I think we can all benefit from. I, I might uh, I'll give it a read myself once it arrives because I'm very interested in seeing how, you know, forgiveness in particular can uh, can actually help um, not you know, not just the person that I'm forgiving, but actually to, to cleanse my own soul, as it were, you know, to, to ease the burden from myself. So I think it's a really interesting perspective and I can't wait to read it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for this uh, space and opportunity. The Lord bless and keep you is my prayer. Have a great day. All right, nice you to too. To you. Blessings to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, wow. So the author, the Reverend Alicia Pitts, calling in to talk about her book, Learn How to Apologize. Um, so that's an interesting kind of life lesson, just improving your own life by learning actually how to apologize and show empathy for others. Um in, right. in a brief interview there. You can find her on, at aliciapitts.com, but I'm going to spell it for you because I've never seen Alicia spelled this way in my life. A-L-E-E-C-H-E-A. P-I-T-T-S. Alicia, Alicia Pitts. I, I've never seen Alicia spelled that way. Um, so just to make sure that you get it right if you want to look her up or, or order her book, aliciapitts.com. Um, so we chatted with her there just about her books and, and you can certainly check those out. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to move on to our recommendations just to wrap things up. Um, what I'm going to do is we'll do our guilty pleasure book because that's back. Then we'll do your recommendation and then we'll do my recommendation to close. Awesome. So my guilty pleasure book. And again, I want to clarify this because, you know, we haven't done it for a month or two. So anyone who's aware, these are great books. That's not meant to be a negative thing. That's just, I'm always reading classic literature. You know, mm. I'm forcing myself to read like in Spanish and everything, you know? So sometimes you just want something lighthearted and fun. And that's my guilty pleasure, you know, um, something enjoyable, a page turner. And we've got B.A. Paris. We've, we've talked about her before. Uh, Behind Closed Doors. So last time I talked about The Breakdown, this is her first book. And I think it's her masterpiece from the two or three that I've read. Behind Closed Doors. So we've got Jack and Grace. Jack, handsome, dedicated lawyer, loving husband grace elegant consummate housewife prisoner so what we have is the perfect couple um but it's the perfect lie so actually it's not what you think grace is is actually a prisoner she's actually captive um, to Jack and Jack's this charming lo- this is um, this is 2016 by the way Jack's this charming guy that um, everyone likes and he meets Grace who is kind of low self esteem and they get married very quickly whirlwind romance rushes her away uh, and all of a sudden you know well how come Grace has to use Jack's email address and isn't allowed her own mobile phone and never goes anywhere without Jack and then we find that it's very controlling and he's a horrible, manipulative uh, person. Um, but also Grace has a sister, uh, a disabled um, or a, a, a sort of a special needs um, sister who is going to move in with them soon. And then it gets really sinister because the sister says Jack's a bad man and something's not right here. Mm-hmm. And Grace is trying to teach her, no, it's all going to be okay. And soon you're going to move in with us. But then she discovers that Jack is... Not just, you know, not just mistreating her or keeping her prisoner, but actually essentially wants to torture them. And he wants to really, really horribly mistreat her sister. And it's really quite tense and, and very difficult to deal with mm-hmm. sometimes when you're when you're reading this book, actually. You know, some of the, the themes. Um, well. 
it's a thriller, you know, and you want to see what the hell is going to happen next and, and how it's going to end. And although it's, you know, it's three or 400 pages, you will read it in, in two days, three days, because it's 350 pages, you know, and there's just a bit at the end. And this, this quote kind of won't make any sense if you haven't read it, but basically they find out that the room, they keep telling one of their, they, the way they figure it out is um, something's not right with what Jack's saying. Because he, he, he keeps her essentially locked in a room, but he has like a fake bedroom. So the guests all see this lovely bedroom, but she's not really in that room, you know? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he's going to do the same thing with the sister. So he tells all these stories about like this yellow bedroom and how Millie wants to live in this yellow bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then someone says, hold on. Earlier, he said that the room was going to be red. And they find this horrible red dungeon. Oh, no. And then they say, and then that's how they figure it out. You know, they say what color was Millie's room? And she says, it was red. And then they kind of realize everything that, that what's going on. Um, I, I'm not going to spoil like how they get there and all the twists and turns and all the events. Um, but it's a real page turner. And I actually feel uncomfortable almost talking about some of the themes in it just now. Um, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a good book. You know, it is a good book. And um, so that's, that's my guilty pleasure. Um, PJ, what is your recommendation for the month? Um, so what my recommendation is to keep it uh, Spanish. I thought I'd mention one of um, another great author around the time of Benito Perez Galdós. So he came a bit later. His name was Miguel de Unamuno. And he was a philosopher as well as a novelist, an essayist. And his novel uh, that I recommend is very short. So try to get it to practice your Spanish. But it's also in, I believe it's also in English. It's called San Manuel Bueno Martir. So San Manuel Good, the martyr. And all I can say is this is basically about a man who's conflicted, who's basically, he's basically a priest. um, And he's basically deciding to continue on with his profession, even though he doesn't believe in God. And it's all about Christian morality. Uh, It's all about Christian morality versus um, not believing in actual God, but trying to like still bring encouragement to the people with Christian morality. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like saying that Miguel de Namuno believes with Christian morality, but he doesn't believe that God has to be in the equation. But nevertheless, yeah. he's a bit of a martyr. Sam Manuel is a martyr because he's he's still staying in his profession because he knows he can help people, but he doesn't actually okay. believe in God himself. Okay. Well, before I do my recommendation, I just want to show you this. Um, these are the bookmarks that I got from the reread shop. These are now, these are sort of um, in Galician. So I don't know how good your Galician is. Um, <laughs> Ostinosaurios non lian disapparatheron. So essentially, dinosaurs didn't read, they disappeared. So that's oh. why we should read. And then also, <laughs> Me Vuelves Lorca. You know, the poet Lorca, Me, me Vuelves Lorca. Yeah, you, you drive yeah, me crazy. So cool little bookmark puns, um, which the really? chap kindly gave. There's a couple others he gave me, but these are the only two I have to hand. Um, now, there's a weird coincidence that your recommendation touches on religion. And I swear we didn't plan this, but my recommendation this week, uh, this month, is also a book touching on quite heavily on religion. Um, no, I'm not going to make any claims here and I'm not going to sort of choose any sides or anything. I'm just going to mention that this book exists and that I find it very interesting read. It's yeah. Zealot by Reza Aslan. Um, mm, it's a number yeah, one New York Times bestseller. It's the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, 
it's not approached, you know, from a religious perspective necessarily. It's about looking for the historical Jesus and, you know, comparing him. And they effectively say he was part of the the, the kind of zealot uh, group or or not really a movement, but, um, th- you know, this this kind of group. In, in And the thing is, I mean, I studied this. I studied Roman Judea. Um, mm. So that was an interesting backdrop when I read this. It's, it's 300 pages. It's, it's a short book. Um, and I, I, I used to read this as bedtime reading to an ex I know, I, many years ago. You remember I know, that? I remember, <laughs> I remember that. Along my own copy of Descartes, um, uh, w- w- um, you, you read, like, I, I gave you a treatise of logic, right? And you were reading that as well. Yes. That's I just got, is that yours that I have? Indeed it is, yeah. And you're reading that <laughs> at bedtime. That's <laughs> I didn't know that. Being, like, is it called a treatise on logic? Am I getting there? It's or... a treatise on human nature. No, yes. that's Thank you. No. yeah. No, that's um. Hold on, treatise on human nature is not Descartes. That's Hume. Oh my god! Um, did you give me Descartes' our... meditations? Did you give me the, the the meditations on first philosophy? Oh my god! I can't believe. No, I gave you Discord on the method. Discord. I, I don't think I have that one, so I'm not sure. Maybe I give this it back like, to you. This sounds like a very hipster conversation. I, I don't know. Saying. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Guys, answers on a postcard, uh, P.O. Box, Books Boys, and tell us which <laughs> book PJ uh, lent me all those years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Zealot, it's interesting. It just it just chronicles the real, uh, from, from what evidence we have, Jesus of Nazareth, and from what the Bible's telling us, and obviously we've got other sources like Josephus and everything like that, um, but we want to look and, and pit, put Jesus in the kind of um, society that he was in based on the other types of religious groups and based on his behavior the kinds of um life he was leading and i mean the, the zealots were kind of fanatics in a sense and 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 all i mean based on the the bible story jesus branded a criminal because he broke some laws so i don't want to you know get into all this on the podcast but if you have any interest in that type of thing it's uh, it's certainly an interesting an interesting read um, and that's my my recommendation for the month. It's very curious that we both picked books um, yeah. touching on religion that's there. So that is pretty much all we have. We've kept it relatively concise, and we're going to end. I have a question for you. Actually, we're going to end. You're all. You're just relaxed there. You're you're very chill. You're very chill <laughs> on the on the webcam. Just, I am very chilled. I was very chilled too. Uh, we're going to close what? with one of your songs, PJ. Uh, do you want to pick one? Do you have one that you would like me to play? Actually, I'd like to add to that. I'm always not always very chilled, just very, always very chilled when I do this podcast because it's good to be chilled. <laughs> physically chilled with a, with a lack of clothing. You're physically exactly, feeling the yeah. chill. So. <laughs> I, I, find, I was so chilled there that I kind of I just can't even repeat that question. So I'm just very chilled here. So. <laughs> yes, we're going to close with one of your songs this month. And I just wondered if you had one in particular that you'd like to play. Um, one of my own songs. Yeah, well, we did one of mine last month. So, you know. One of one of the songs we play together. Uh, let's no, no, see. if you uh, want, like whatever you want, you can just do well, one of your own songs, like whatever, because you sent me some before. Well, so it's up to you. Pick a song. You know, I wouldn't mind uh, the song about um, about my daughter, uh, "Feel Good Girl." Okay, I, I love that one actually, and that That's... one's on YouTube as well, guys. Um, yeah, so look it up. Feel Feel Good Girl by. We can play. We can play Feel Good Girl. We can indeed. Um, did you know that, I don't know if I, I think I told you this, three days or two days ago, it was the six-year anniversary of The Night Hunter. Oh my God, um, yes. Yes, of course. The have song we put that, that, have we put I, that we, on? We've never played that. We can play it another time if you want, if you want to do Feel Good Girl this time. All right. Uh, I mean, I'm in conflict now. All right, let's do, <laughs> let's do, let's do Feel Good Girl now and let them look forward to The Night okay. Hunter. 
you can look forward to the night hunter and um, build it up right now can you see the vampire fly up to the pretty angels i, I love it i love it exactly. um, but we'll do feel good girl uh, this time so guys that's all we have we're gonna play feel good girl and then we'll take you out with our with our outro credits um do you have any final words pj just have final words are guys just just take it nice and easy you know life is life is precious read and just meditate and just live you know we're always here for you if you have any questions if you ever want to chat if you want to engage share any thoughts we're here for you we'd love to hear your thoughts so my final words are i don't know if the shoe has actually been concise or not once I edit in music and ads and things, I, I'm, I'm worried the show is not really going to be any shorter than any of our previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we deviated a lot. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we've made it to episode 10. We're in double figures. That's great. And thank you everyone for, for listening and just, you know, nice. tell other people to listen. Yeah, that's the best thing that you can do. But if you want our extra shows, you know where to find them. There's, there's tons of stuff. Um, and that's it. So we're going to play Feel Good Girl. Get some reading done, guys. And we'll be back in about a month. See ya. I'm feeling kind of empty inside. You don't know what to do with your body. You gotta go. You gotta go to the feel-good girl. When you're feeling kind of blue and you're stuck inside. Can't get it out. Go to the feel-good girl. Back to the feel-good girl. You know you got it You got it If you can't go big Cause of the quarantine You gotta call the feel up girl Yeah, yeah Feel good It's alright to be in the thumbs But you gotta go You gotta go You gotta go to the field Ain't no option at all You gotta go to the field Feel, feel, feel good Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions.
This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, ShortShort.Short. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, click on the Amazon or Audible referral links of booksboys.com or go to patreon.com slash booksboys and get all of the Bufanda Boys bonus shows. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! I hope you can cut this part out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, that's a load off my shoulder. Let's see. Yeah, I will, yeah. It's been a while, let's do a trend. <laughs> <laughs>